In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. everyone and welcome to Good News for the City, the broadcast radio partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC. I am once again honored to join you today. My name is Brian Bales and I get to host this show most all of the time where we focus on this reality. It is the gospel, as has already been said, that makes a way. And so it is a privilege to talk to you again about the gospel, whether it's right here through the radio or it's on podcast, or you may catch me on the weekends as lead pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. It's always a privilege to talk about Jesus and the difference that he makes. Now, listeners of the show know from time to time we open up with a scripture verse, and today is one of those days. And I want to draw your attention to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. This is what it says in verses 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Because when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I don't know if you've heard this passage before. It's often used in churches, but it's a passage that describes how the church is the body of Christ. And when the body's healthy, it flourishes. When the body's unhealthy and the church is struggling, how does it become healed? And here's another question. How does actually the health of a church actually relate to the health of the nation that we live in? And so today we have with us in studio the president of Blessing Point Ministries, a ministry that aims to be a blessing to churches by helping to restore God's blessing on them. And doing so, spark a movement that transforms the church and the culture at large. And so with me right now is the Reverend Mark Barnard. Uh, thanks for being with me today. It's my pleasure. I look forward to our conversation. I really look forward to this conversation as well as a pastor and a leader. Understanding church health is something I know I need to grow in, and certainly these last several years have not made it easier in a lot of those ways. And so before we dig into that, uh, you grew up in Morristown, New Jersey. You came to know Jesus Mar- at 15, right? Yeah, Morristown, New Jersey. Grew up um Single family, single parent family, mm-hmm. uh, highly dysfunctional environment. Uh, grew up on welfare and food stamps, and uh, my mom was in and out of mental institutions, and I was in and out of foster care. And the Lord radically changed my life at the age of fifteen. You know, from time to time here on Goodness for the City, we do what's called a God story. I just think you gave us another show we need to come back and talk about. That would be yeah. a great conversation to hear about mm-hmm. how God is used in movie. Because eventually, even in the midst of all that. You got a BA in Bible from NIAC. You got an MA in pastoral studies. You served in various pastoral and teaching capacities. Um, you've been the author, co author of 10 books, which is uh, pretty amazing. And you're the father of four and the grandfather of two. You have a wife and you reside in Atlanta, uh, mm-hmm. which it seems to be a lot of people seem to be residing in Atlanta lately, I'm talking to. So it must be a nice place. Well, we live in, I call it suburbia of suburbia. It's about as suburban as you can get. We have, uh, 
In the town I live in, we have 30,000 people and 12,000 golf carts. Well, there you go. That that does sound like suburbia of suburbia. Well, let's back up a little bit if we can. Uh, you know, you have an interesting career focusing on healing the local church. Some people may have heard of that. Some people may have not. How did you first feel drawn or better yet even called by God into that focus in using the gifts and skills God has given you to help his bride, the church? Yeah, it took really until my mid-40s to figure out how my you know past experience, which I alluded to, my pre-conversion trauma those days, uh, my calling uh, into ministry, the kind of the field God wanted me in, all that kind of came together in my mid-40s. And I didn't look for this role intentionally. I was kind of minding my own business, and the phone rang. And I was asked to fill the pulpit of a church not far from where I live, and I agreed to do that. And as soon as I walked in, I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong, but there was just something off in the spirit of that congregation. And simultaneously with that opportunity, someone sent me a copy of a book called Healing the Heart of Your Church by Dr. Kenneth Quick. And I took that book. I read it. I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me that this book was for this church. Uh, I didn't know why. I went back. They asked me to be the interim pastor. I said I would, subject to the leadership going through this book together. And I was completely clueless of their history, what had happened before I got there. They were weary, but were willing to pursue it. And what was supposed to be three nights, two hours a night, turned into five nights, multiple hours each night. And what we discovered as we looked at that church was that they had split three times in nine years. Mm. And when you go through that much trauma as a congregation, it's going to impact that feeling a person gets when they walk into the congregation. Like I felt, you knew something was off, but you didn't know what it was. And what happened was as these leaders wrestled with the implications of their actions through the years and how they actually started as a split in the beginning, and as they sat around one of those plastic round tables that are ubiquitous in churches today, and they they took uh, ownership and repented for not submitting to authority because that their problem with authority was really the thing that tied their multiple splits together. And as they took responsibility and repented of that, uh, the Holy Spirit was so thick in the room. When we were done, nobody could move. It was just one of those amazing holy moments. And I thought, what in the world has just happened here? And, um, and we just kind of, I just kind of blindly followed the book trying to figure out how to do what we were doing, and, and it worked. And, and we had a service about a month later explaining to the congregation what we had discovered about the church and the elders taking responsibility for the rebellions. And it was the closest thing to revival I've ever been a part of. People were confessing their own struggles with authority and tears and repentance, and, and that changed the spirit of the church like someone flipped a switch in heaven. And the church had been under all this kind of disciplinary mm -hmm. experience from God, and they began to bear fruit again. And yeah. that led to another opportunity, and then another opportunity, and then a relationship with the author of the book and the founding of this ministry. Well, that's a, a wonderful story. And and I've personally read the book. Uh, it benefited from healing the heart of your church. I said this before we hopped on air together. I had some time with Dr. Quick, and, and I know it affected me significantly how I began to approach some things in a particular area of my life, in particular church that I served on. And it began to expose me, and I'm sure you're very aware of this already between uh, the, the readings that you did from Dr. Quick, but also now the stuff that you've written in the ministry of blessingpoint.org, 
that there are issues that maybe people aren't even aware of that can cause a church or ministry to need healing. Could you talk about maybe some of those? You mentioned one, submission to authority. I'm sure there are others. And then sort of make those connections because I feel like sometimes for the church, it's a little bit like the analogy of the frog in the boiling water. Over time, they don't realize it's there, but someone else walks in and they're like, wow, this mm-hmm. is obvious, but they can't see it. Mm-hmm. Sort of make those connections mm-hmm. for us. Yeah, the church, the churches that suffer from these kind of problems acclimatize to them. They get used to them mm-hmm. and they end up really just going through the motions of doing ministry week after week without any real significant fruit. They may have a little fruit here and there, and they latch onto that as evidence for their fulfilling their mission, but they're not experiencing the kind of God things you hope to see in a church's ministry. and But no one ever stops to say, like Gideon prayed, uh, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? No one stops to discern what God may be saying to a congregation as a whole. And so these issues never get addressed. The kinds of things we're talking about, uh, you know, you're going to be familiar with these because they're in the news every day. You know, there's pastoral immorality, there's embezzlements, uh, there's the abuse of authority by a pastor. There's the abuse of a pastor by the congregation. There's church splits. These things can take any form. Generally, they tend to be offenses that impact the whole congregation. Those are what we call corporate sins rather than personal sins. Now, where do those things come from? I think they come from something we both alluded to, and that is kind of an unawareness Uh, on the part of leadership to realize that the way a pastor or a church leader handles conflict or a crisis in the church is often a reflection of how they learn to deal with crisis or conflict in their family of origin. So yes, say like me, they got saved at the age of 15, but they haven't worked through the implications of their faith on their emotional health and well-being. And so that ends up affecting their own their own family as they get married and have kids. It affects their relationship with God and how they view Him, and it affects their leadership. So the, a lot of us go into ministry with wounds and, and brokenness, and you know those are the kind of people the Lord loves to save and redeem, but we carry a lot of those injuries with us in the ministry, and we don't realize that the way we're leading is more of a function of familiarity than real biblical spiritual discernment. And so let's sort of make the turn if we can. This is one of the ways where Blessing Point comes in. And again, I encourage anyone who's listening that knows about a church or maybe just yourself. You maybe think, oh, this resonates with me and maybe this is my local body or maybe just do a health checkup. You go and do that as well. What's the vision and and mission of Blessing Point Ministries? Again, www.blessingpoint.org. Um, what sort of resources, help do they offer for struggling churches and ministries? You know, our our, our mission is, is pretty straightforward. We we work to heal churches that have been through crises or a history of ministry frustration. And our vision is really an extension of that because the principles we've learned that work on a local church level, we've, we've also learned they work on a district and denominational level. We've got to apply them in those settings. We also believe they work on a national church level, too, to resolve a lot of the inner tension and turmoil that occurs in the body of Christ that limits its effectiveness in being a witness to the to the nation and North America in general. But um, our vision is to restore the radiance of Christ's bride. We feel like the, the bride is not in the condition it needs to be in to meet her groom. 
and we want to get her in the best possible uh, health condition that we can and to spark a movement that, you know, what I'm talking to you about today, a lot of people have never heard of corporate healing. How do you heal a church? It's kind of a, we're kind of like the last phone call a pastor makes before he quits, right? We want them to be the, we want us to be the first phone call and, and say, hey, I'm getting ready to start a new ministry. How do I set the table? How do I deal with the history of the church before I begin my ministry so I can start with a clean slate before God? Yeah. And so all those resources are available at our our website, tons mm-hmm. of books we've developed over the last 15 years. There's also a great assessment tool called the Church Scan Inventory. You can you can uh, assess your own church based on the internal functioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm happy to set those up at no cost for churches as a whole. If they want a dedicated link for their church to go to and have a conversation among their leaders, they can do that as well. Oh, man, I love that reminder you just gave that sort of the last resort is where they come. I often tell people who come into my office for counseling Christian fellowship, like, let's just be honest. I'm the physical embodiment of in case of emergency break glass. It's gotten Amen. so bad you thought to yourself, I'm going to go talk to the pastor. And in many yeah. ways, pastors, we do the same thing. It's gotten so bad I'm going to go talk to Blessing Point. You're the in right. case of emergency. But, you know, we all recognize it shouldn't get that far. We, we want to get out in front of it. And so I love the preventative nature of some of the things that you're talking about here, you know, preventative health as well as responsive issues to things. And so let's talk about this difference between corporate healing and individual level healing. What does it look like for a corporate church uh, just – a corporate sort of approach to this and talk about, you mentioned in the first church you did that they were a little trepidatious, but they stepped into it. The, the influence of fear, like if we step into this, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. We deal with that fear in every church we work with. Mm-hmm. It's become so common. We call it the attack of the big chicken. I mean, it's just, it's just this thing that overcomes. They have a bunch of fears like, Oh, what happens if we dig up the past and someone we love gets implicated or, what happens if, uh, you know, uh, we have visitors on the day we repent as a church? You know, there's all kinds of fears that enter into their minds. And we just try to uh, real, help them uh, be courageous. And it does take a lot of courage to do the hard things leaders are called to do. But in this case, it's one of the most uh, rewarding thing that uh, a leader can do to protect and safeguard the health of their church. Now, as it relates to how does corporate healing differ from individual healing, there is a little bit of a parallel because our approach is a family systems, uh, biblical, spiritually sensitive process. And, and that's going to mean that just as an individual is going to be looking at their history to see the injuries and wounds that shaped uh, or misshaped them, uh, we're going to be looking at the church's history much uh, along the lines of how Jesus spoke to the seven churches in Revelation. Uh, we're going to be assessing what are the things he would commend in your history. Uh, what are the things where he would say, well done, you're doing a great job. I'm so pleased you're doing this. Uh, he said to the Ephesian church, you know, a couple times, you've endured. That was one of their markers. Uh, he also was aware of the challenges they faced. And the challenges are things every church has to face and overcome. And so we want to review the, the challenges they've dealt with in their history. But the, the thing we end up focusing on is the crises, because in the crises, that's where Jesus says, but I have this against you. Yes. And so what, we all, what we'll do is we'll, we've set this up and we have a, a process we go through. It's fairly simple where we have a historical research team in the church and they're doing interviews, they're researching board notes, they're looking at old newspaper articles, and they're assessing what were the blessings during each era of the church's history. 
What were the challenges? What were the pain points? And so then we will, um, you know, gather everybody together. It's almost like a giant group counseling session led by the Holy Spirit uh, using the gifts of the people present. And we together we discern what Jesus is saying to that particular church, not in uh-huh. rewriting scripture sense, but as the body discerns together mm-hmm. what he's saying to them as a group. And that usually ends up in some kind of repentance. There's usually something they have to deal with. And then once they deal with that, they have to grow out of those old behaviors, right? So there are a lot of parallels with personal healing and corporate healing. Uh, The differences, I would say, are that you're dealing with more people. Uh, You're dealing with uh, uh, probably a higher level of spiritual warfare, uh, because, you know, it's one thing for the devil to get me as an individual to flub up and to sin and, and, and to spoil things. It's another thing if you can get a ministry off track. Yes. And uh, because this is uh, not the way North Americans usually think, they don't think corporately, except in the business world. We don't think corporately in the church world in the sense that God sees us as a body. Uh, this is a bit of a, a upstream swim, you know, to get us to change from an individualistic mindset to, hey, God's speaking to us as a group. And how does he do that? And so there are some shifts in perspective that need to take place, but um, there's a lot at stake. And I think a lot of this goes on and church people, church leaders have no clue, really have no clue about really what's happening in their midst. They just attribute it all to the devil and leave it there, you know. That's an interesting observation that you've made about individuals, corporate, about how we see and read things. Even many times when we look at the New Testament, look at the epistles. I mean, you've got Philemon, you've got First and Second Timothy that are they're written to individuals. Uh, and First and Second Timothy can be debated about whether it's an indiv- to a church through an individual, but mostly it's written to a church. But our natural tension or our natural uh, desire is to read First Corinthians as to me first instead of through the right. church, and and we right. do that. It's it, that connection that it shows up not just in the way we read scripture, but even how we approach that is is something I don't know that I'd actually just connected until that point. So thank you for that. Um, you also talk about this idea that the condition of the church is intrinsically connected to the condition of the nation. Talk about that for me, if you would. Yeah, this is probably the, you know, this is the larger application of what we do on a local church level. And it's really what my heart uh, is burdened for. You know, when you look at our nation right now, there, and if, if we can believe what is presented to us through the media and its various forms, if we can believe that, there is really a, a dark, cloud just engulfing this nation of sin and changing values and darkness that is just coming over over us like a wave and 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 this has been this has been happening for a while and where where has the church been i mean there may be some individual ministries that are healthy that are reaching their locality but by and large, the church has lost its voice in our nation. And so how do we get that back? Well, I think we've lost our voice because we, we've lost our ability to say anything. We've lost some of the salt and light that we're supposed to have in our character as a body. And uh, it impedes uh, the health we would long to see our culture benefit from. And we're just not there. And so, so should we blame the culture? Do we blame the media? Do we blame politicians? I mean, what should we really expect from them? 
what you would really expect from them. Really, this goes back to the body of Christ. We are somewhat culpable for the condition of the nation. And so in that regard, I'm writing a new book called Getting Our House in Order. We've got to get our house in order. We've got to deal with ourselves from God's perspective and position ourselves so God can do another one of these great moves of his in our culture like he's done in the past, but to assume that we can expect revival or a new blessing on the church while the church is contaminated across the board for the most part with internal corporate sin that's unconfessed is just a pipe dream. Yeah. And so for people who may be listening, they may go, all right, I heard Mark's story of the first church and then a couple others, but maybe that was a long time ago. I understand you got to keep confidentiality, can't give them the name of the churches or those sort of things. But could you flesh out maybe a story for our listeners? Say, hey, listen, here's where a church was. Here's what they did as they went through corporate repentance and followed these steps. And this is what we've seen God doing through their body now. Yeah. I, I could give you a couple examples. I'm thinking of a church uh, in the South that, um, when you looked at their history, their elders, their leadership had shifted from being elder-led to elder-ruled, with an mm-hmm. emphasis on ruled that was heavy-handed and abusive. Can you imagine the elders telling women in the church when they needed to get their hair done? Oh, my. Talk about taking your life in your hands. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, so it had come to that, and they were cycling through staff. The elders tried to intervene, made things worse. Pastor got involved, made things worse. They were on their last leg. And through a series of providential uh, experiences, we came into contact with them. And and uh, amazingly, when we did their historical retreat, uh, it was the women through whom the Lord spoke most clearly and brought such a sense of conviction into the room uh, on the whole body there. And those elders uh, definitely experienced the attack of the big chicken. They were scared to death. They did have a repentance service where they publicly but tactfully dealt with their sin. And the beautiful thing about this church is every every church, you know, pretty much is willing to repent. There have been a few churches that have balked from repenting, but most of them are willing to repent. But then the harder part is growing out of the dysfunction that has marked them for so many years. Mm-hmm. And so th- this church has done a very good job at doing that. They're having a wonderful, fruitful ministry, and and they're seeing uh, God's favor on them where before they just had a lot of frustration. Yeah. It's a good reminder that many times we can recognize dysfunction, but don't necessarily understand what functional looks like yet. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. isn't the way that God wants us to do it, but growing into the new way that God has always wanted us to live from, that's another step, and it takes additional mm-hmm. work. And I'm sure it brought additional fear and additional hurdles and additional spiritual warfare that God is big enough if we trust him to, to work through. Now, obviously, you just mentioned um, Getting Your House in Order, which is a book that's going to come out. You've uh, been a co-author and wrote many other books as well. In the last uh, minute or so, would you point people to Blessing Points and resources and those types of things? Yeah, I'd just say if you're a pastor or church leader and you know this this talk has resonated with you, Go ahead and visit blessingpoint.org. You're going to see a number of uh, tabs under the resource tab at the top and just explore those. There's a very uh, healthy uh, blog history there. There's uh, a link to the books. Uh, There's a link to the church scan inventory, which I referenced earlier. And really, we kind of 
give our ministry away as much as we can. And so you're going to find a lot of video there about some of our seminar. You can become completely familiar and comfortable with what we're about. Yeah. And so just again, thank you for this, for stepping into this space, uh, being the healers to the healers in many ways. And we all know that ultimately it is God who heals, but in, in many ways he uses people. I think a good analogy is we're the glove and he's the hand, but we have to allow ourselves to uh, be used by him in that way. And so thank you for Blessing Point. Thank you for what it's doing. Certainly it doesn't take much to look around whatever media platform we take things in from to see that the church needs some healing and to be able to understand that the hope of the world through the church is Jesus Christ. So Mark, thanks for joining us. And and listeners today, if there's something more you'd like to talk about uh, with me, you can always call me here at the church, Christian Fellowship in Ashburn at 703-729-3900. Uh, you can also get a hold of Mark right there at blessingpoint.org and by sending an email to info at blessingpoint.org, or you can get a hold of us at WAVA by sending a comment to comment at wava.org. Again, as always, thanks for joining us today. And wherever you go after this moment, remember this truth. It's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of good news for the city, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.